Mets fans, prepare yourselves to get Metsmerized! Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Get Metsmerized podcast presented as always by MetsmerizedOnline.com. I'm your host, Sal Manzo, with MMO Executive Editor Mike Mayer, and we're joined by Brooklyn Cyclones bench coach Chris Newell. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time with us tonight. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And Mike, uh, Mike was down in Port St. Lucie for a few days to get out of the cold, but now he's right back in Maine. It's probably 10 degrees like he never left. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a little chilly, but I brought a sunburn home with me. Awesome, awesome, and I'm hoping the Mets, you know, you didn't take the runs with you while you were when you came back up too. Um, but Chris, like we mentioned, you are, you know, the uh, one of the bench coaches for the Brooklyn Cyclones. You're down um, at minor league spring training right now in Florida. Before we kind of talk about how camp is going, I was curious if you could kind of tell us a little bit about how you ended up coaching up within the Mets organization, how you got there. Well, it's a great question. You guys remember Rich Donnelly? by chance, yep. Rich Donnelly and Mariano Duncan. Uh, I was lucky enough to have Rich as my bench coach when I was managing uh, the Birmingham Bloomfield Beavers right after he got finished with the Seattle Mariners and just before he started his second term uh, or stint with the Mets. And he and I got along great. We had a lot of success together, and uh, certainly he referred me. And then Mariano, the year 2019, uh, was out of work. And Rich contacted me and said, hey, we got a we got an opening for Mariano by chance. And I says, absolutely. And Mariano was with me for probably, I don't know, probably a few weeks. And then he got the call with the Mets. And then in 2020, I think, uh, you know, the old regime probably got tired of hearing my name floating around. So they said, let's give this guy a chance. And thankfully, I'm still here. Wow, that's awesome. And obviously, uh, you know, you were nabbed. Uh... I believe is the manager of the Kingsport Mets in 2020, obviously before the COVID scene even kind of shut that down, unfortunately. Um, but I was interested kind of going through everything and looking at your background and saw that even, you know, before you joined the Mets and even before coaching, you worked with the Yankees as a scout from 2006 to 2016. I found that super interesting. And I have two questions for you. The sure. first part is I was wondering how you made the switch or why you made the switch from scouting side to then the coaching side. What was the, the, uh, the thought process there for making the switch? Yeah, so player development's always been my passion, and, and scouting was something that kept me in the game. And I've been in business for 23 years as a private hitting instructor, you know, being lucky, you know, having, you know, DJ LeMahieu and Jake Cronenworth for a lot of years when they were young and building that foundation. But, you know, player development was always, you know, my top priority and something I always wanted to pursue. And, uh, you know, it just worked out. But the scouting was a, was a chance for me to stay in the game, especially on that side, and I certainly enjoyed it. But, you know, scouting and player, player development, as you guys know, are, you know, integral parts and the backbone of the success of organizations. And, you know, being able to experience both of them uh, and, you know, currently uh, as player development, it's, it's fantastic. And do you think I, I just piggybacking off of what you said, you know, going from, you know, how closely those kind of two parties are, do you think it kind of gives you a, a I don't want to say a leg up, but maybe a better sense, you know, coaching in the minor leagues, you know, coming from being a scout as far as, you know, uh, maybe not necessarily an eye for talent, but being, you know, maybe seeing, you know, things ahead for a certain player that other people might see, like seeing progressions in that kind of thing. I'm just kind of curious how, how that, uh, 
you know, build your skill set maybe as, as a coach? Yeah, well, it, you know, it really does. I think the biggest, the, the, the biggest success trait for, for, I think, for a coach is, is to have patience, and, but also trust, and not just trust the player that he's going to get, you know, that he's going to get to his potential. But, but, you know, if you're a part of a team, you know, that's from top to bottom. And, and it's imperative that, that we trust the scouts and what they bring to the table. I mean, they've seen these guys firsthand and they're entrusting us to help develop them. So it is a two-way street. And, you know, for, for so many years, scouting and player development, you know, in a lot of organizations have been on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, whether it's right or wrong or indifferent, it, you know, it's just a reality. I think with me having the background in both certainly doesn't make me better than anybody or anything like that. But, it, but what it does, it gives me a different perspective. I think at the end of the day, our job is, you know, we're mentors. We're, we're psychologists, if you will. We're, we're that familiar, friendly voice and face that these players are going to want to listen to and trust. And especially during their tough times. You know, and, and to me, I don't care if you're a scout or you're a coach. If you can, if you can bring that value to these players, then everybody wins. Awesome, absolutely. And then the kind of the second part to that, obviously, we said we, you know, you work with the Yankees for, you know, such a long time. Uh, Mets current GM Billy Epler worked with the Yankees as well. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, if you worked at all with with Billy while you were with the Yankees, if you had any kind of you know interdealings or anything like that, and if you had, you know, could tell us anything there. You know what? So personally, Billy and I never crossed paths, but, but obviously my bosses uh, were around Billy, you know, talking around, talking to Billy on a regular basis. And, and uh, so I've, I've heard for so many years, how great of a human being uh, Billy Epler is. And when, when Billy got the job here in New York, um, you know, I sent Billy an email and, and kind of introduced myself and said, Hey, we kind of worked together. And these were the guys that I worked alongside with. And, and, you know, of course, Billy, praise these guys and, 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 you know, and well-deserved and, and, but yet at the same time, these guys, you know, Hey, you're going to, you got a great one in Billy, you know, you're going to love this guy. He's, he's fun to work with and just bring it every day. And, you know, and, and then in the, in the meetings that we've had with Billy, you know, he's fired up. He brings an energy that just rubs off on any, on everybody. And, you know, let's be honest. He's been, he's been at the top of the Hill and, you know, he knows what it takes. And, and so, for us, everybody being a part of what's going on here, start you know starting with Billy and Mr. Cohen, uh, Kevin Howard, it, it it is a it is an incredible environment, and not only are we seeing it every day and lucky and happy to be a part of it, but the players are too. The players are the ones that this is about. They're thriving, and we're so fired up, ready to get going. That's awesome, Mike. Um, I think you had something. Yeah, Chris. So how, how is this spring training kind of different? Cause last year um, it was kind of like you talk about having Billy and talking to Billy and Buck last year, you're kind of in between GMs and Cohen was new and there was kind of a little bit of uncertainty in the organization as a whole. How, would you say there's more stability now and that experience factor too? Yeah. You know, and obviously the last two spring trainings, you know, COVID played a big part of it. We started late last year and then we got banged two weeks in back in 2020. So we didn't have one. So this is the first uh, normal, if you will, normal spring training that, that major league baseball has had in a couple of years. I can say this with this being my third year, but my first full spring training, it's everything I had expected and everything I had hoped for as far as, the communication, the energy, the positivity, 
you know, the, the autonomy to be ourselves and, and, you know, there's no egos. Everybody sets egos at the door. We're all pulling in the same direction and let's go get a freaking ring. That's awesome. And I wanted to circle back really quick, just as far as what your time with the Yankees to put a bow on that. I was curious, obviously we're Mets podcast. We don't want to promote the other team too much here, <laughs> but um, you know, obviously the Yankees are extremely successful with their player development, you know, in the organization top and bottom. So I was curious, like there was anything that stuck with you with your time with the Yankees or anything you kind of took from there, um, you know, f- uh, philosophically or, you know, anything that they do that you kind of, you know, in- imposed in your kind of your coaching and your, your player development. Yeah, well, I think any any championship organization, you know, prides itself in, in, in doing things the right way. And I've always said this, if we're going to do something, let's do it right. Uh, there's so many different ways to skin a cat, not to get cliche-ish, but, you know, they, they're around for a reason because they're certainly accurate. But that being said, you know, just the professionalism that, that you put the uniform on and and it means something. And, you know, somebody in, in, in before the Yankees, I, I scouted with Tampa Bay, you know, to, you know, what was it, 1999 to 2005. And, you know, like, hey, which uniform, you know, which uniform do you like best or which was the worst uniform you ever wore? And I'm like, there's no such thing as a bad major league organization uniform. But as a young kid, being a huge Tiger fan growing up in Detroit, but a huge Mets fan, the 84 Tigers and the 86 Mets are my two favorite teams of all time. Wow. But going back to the Yankees, you know, let's be honest. I mean, that's the elephant in the room and, and, you know, they're, everybody knows them well with the, with the regime and the ownership here in New York with the, with the Mets, you know, everybody wants to be a Met now. And, and I'm certainly lucky to be a part of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be anyplace else. I love it. That's awesome. And, you know, you, you touched on it a, a, a bit, but just in general, like what what do you think? Like, you know, you talk about there's no big organizations, right? It's obviously the major league organizations. So they're all doing something right. But in like your opinion, what do you think makes the, the better team, the, the organizations that that, you know, have the, the better player development in minor league organizations as you know, opposed to like the, the, the lower organizations in the league? What do you think are kind of the, the differences and what, what makes those teams succeed in player development as opposed to others? I think that's a great question. I, I, I think, first off, having the players' backs, like knowing that, okay, and, and the, the players don't – this game's hard enough to begin with, let's be honest. But, you know, when – you know, I think there's certain organizations – in fact, I know there are certain organizations that guys are intimidated, guys are scared to fail. And, you know, I've always said how we deal with failure is ultimately how we're going to be successful. And this group, this leadership group um, – has made it okay to fail as long as we learn from it. Right. And, 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 and I think at the end of the day, that's what's most important. And our players understand that they know that, Hey, there's no pressure on them to be perfect every time Uh, for us coaches, the development staff, there's, there's no pressure on us to that. We we have to be perfect every day. I mean, Dickie Scott said something the other day. He said, listen, he goes, you guys be you, you're going to screw up right? That's part of it. That's how we all learn. And, and I can tell you, I, I've learned a heck of a lot more from my players over the years than probably what my players have learned from me. And, and I think, you know, we have that in this organization and, you know, it starts with Kevin, obviously Kevin Howard, and, and he's, you, you guys go be you. And at the end of the day, the philosophy is let's develop these guys from one o'clock to six o'clock 
go eat our pregame meal. And then as soon as seven o'clock gets here, let's go kick their ass. And, you know, that's important. But like to me, it's super vital important because you're bringing that winning attitude, you know, every single day. And these players know what the end result is. If, if, if we're winning, that means we're getting better. And if the ultimate goal is to win at city field, well, you know, let's, let's teach these guys how to learn, learn how to win, you know, when they're in the younger level. So when they get up there, they've already experienced it. That's awesome. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that as well. You know, you, you kind of uh, hit my second question there and you know, it's how, how hard it can be, you know, to, to balance the, the development side, making sure players develop into major leaguers, but also instilling that, Hey, you're here, we're playing games. They count for something, you know, we want to win this. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to hear. Cause I think a lot of times you get, um, people get lost in like, I don't want to call it the process or whatever, but, you know, less on the results and more on, you know, the, the development and those kind of statistics for players. Cause you know, all oh, these games don't matter as much, right. It's to, to get up to the next level. But I, you know, it's really sure. kind of refreshing to hear that, you know, if you want to win at the biggest level, you got to learn how to win down here. And I like that that's kind of being a priority there. I think you're exactly so, right. I mean, it was so refreshing to hear that because, you know, I, I like to think that, that I was given this wonderful opportunity to be in this position because of the uh, success that I have endured, you know, previously. I mean, and if I didn't endure any success, uh, doubtful I'd be here. So yeah, it matters. Absolutely. Mike, I think you had something as well. You wanted to ask. Yeah. I I just wanted to kind of add into that, um, that I talked to Brian Hayes, the director of, of uh, player development, as soon as he had, got that new gig coming from the amateur scouting side and that's what he said the Mets focus was going to be this year was to build this winning environment and they wanted to make sure that that started at the minor leagues so I I mean it's good to hear from Chris that this isn't like you hear a lot of stuff a lot of teams say a lot of things and sounds like the Mets are certainly trying to follow through with that and to note that I mean you look at the Rays the Rays have been one of the best organizations in baseball for about a decade plus now. And just last year, they also led the minor leagues in winning percentage. So Mm -hmm. they've built a great organization from the bottom up and that's how they are able to keep winning without, I mean, spending a ton of money. Absolutely. Yeah. You're spot on. I just wanted to, you know, kind of ask you how camp is going so far and, you know, on the minor league side, if there's any players that have, you know, stood out to you in camp, pitching side or, you know, position player hitting wise. Yeah, camp's been going great. The guys are ready to go. I think they've certainly made the most of, of these four weeks. Uh, without a doubt, they've utilized it the right way. Um, they're ready to go, obviously. But, you know, a couple of guys that come to mind, Quinn Brody is the first guy that jumps at me. You know, Quinn kind of went through hell and back last year. Um you know, with, with his offense and his swing and, and really his mental capacity. And here's a kid who I'd just been around for the first time last year. And I, I got to be honest, I never, I don't think in all my years of coaching, I don't think I ever felt more empathy towards a player in my entire life than I did with Quinn last year. And, and getting a chance to know him the way I have, um, my empathy grew deeper because he's one of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life. And I'm sure you guys have been around him will feel the same way. Um, you know, my big thing with him was, Hey, just 
continue, be you, you know, get back to doing what got you here, you know, and, and without stepping on anybody else's toes, but you know, you're, you're now you're talking about the human side of, of the game, not just the, the, the numbers we're talking about a human, human being and, and getting a chance to know him and, and watching him get past, you know, the mental part and, and where he's at now is I, I, if there's a better hitter in our camp, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised. Um, he's absolutely destroying the baseball. Obviously his defense is never, has never wavered. And that, that's the great thing about Quinn. That's why he's such a pro, even when he was struggling last year, offensively, he was still valuable in all three outfield positions, played first base and was always reliable that way. But so he, he's been fantastic. Um, God, you know, Nick Meyer's been been pretty damn good. Um, he's always reliable behind the plate. Hayden Singer, too. Jake Mangum, you get what you get every day. You know, you're, I think you're going to win a lot of games at the major league level with him in center field. Carlos Rincon hit a ball that uh, still hasn't landed today. He's hit many of those. Um, my God, Carlos Cortez has been, you know, the, the, your, your familiar names, right, yep. that, that you guys are so familiar with. And, and – but um, some younger guys, you know, Kevin Kendall's been outstanding. Uh, Wyatt Young has been absolutely phenomenal. Rowdy Jordan's been pretty good, you know, and which, again, we go back to the scouting side. You know, those guys know what the heck they're doing when they drafted these guys. And, you know, and, and it, it's just fun to see. And, and especially when guys come in for their first spring training, you know, they're a little nervous. And, you know, some guys could probably be overwhelmed. But these guys walk around. Like they've been like they've been around for ten years, and um, again, it's a testament to the scouting department, uh, but it's also a testament to those young kids. And they come in like, "Hey, we're we're ready to go. We're going to show that we belong here," and and they have without a question. Yeah, I just wanted to add a couple of the guys that I saw this week that kind of jumped out to me, and I know Chris has mentioned I think both of them to me before too. Uh, one is Wilmer Reyes. He had a great camp while I was there um, offensively. He's putting, um, he's in for more power this year, and he's also playing a great shortstop. So I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good combo. He missed a ton of time last year coming off knee surgery, so it's good to see him healthy. And then Stanley uh, Consuega, I think yeah. last, I think the last time oh. I had count, he had five or six home runs this spring already. And when I was there, he's just everything, everything he hits is hard. Every single time I got some video that I'll, I'm going to do a post for later, but yeah, every, every video you get of him and the contact is just, it's hard contact every time. And uh, I think he's a guy that still could add to his frame a little bit too. Oh, for sure. And uh, get a little bigger and have a little more in-game power. And he he looks good out in the outfield too. He's got an absolute rocket of an arm. So Mm -hmm. those are two guys that really impressed me. And they, while I was there, they both, because they made a good impression, both of those guys got to play in a couple of the big league spring training games too. They got yeah. rewarded for how good they had done in camp. Yep. They, uh, they're special human beings as well, special players that, you know, both of them had been injured. You know, Stanley was injured, you know, quite a bit last year. And, and so it's nice to see these guys be able to, to get back on track. And that's a testament to the rehab staff, though. I was, I was lucky to work with that group last year. And uh, for, for, for a couple months, and I'll tell you what, they're special, they're committed. They have the players' trust. 
they just do their thing and they got these guys ready to go. And and now these two players that you mentioned are, are reaping the benefits. And, you know, you talk about Stanley, you know, he's in that zone right now that when he doesn't hit the ball hard, you almost ask him, Hey man, are you okay? Like what's <laughs> going on, man? Because he yeah. has been killing it. That's awesome. And I know you mentioned uh, Jake Mangum, friend of the program here. Um, yep. I've finally been able to watch him. You know, he's been playing in some uh, big league spring training games the last couple of weeks and finally getting to watch him out in the outfield. Oh, my goodness. He can track it down. He can fly. He's definitely going to be playing. He'll be on the big league roster at some point this year for that alone. Like, I, you know, we heard, you know, I've heard from Mike and, you know, watching like clips and stuff like that to be able but to be able to like watch him in a game. Now I get it. It's, you know, if he can, uh, you know, get, I know he's talking about kind of hitting more line drives, hitting the ball more in the air for him. If he could do that a little more, like get even, you know, a little bit of offense there. Oh my goodness, man, that, that club yeah. plays, but, um, you know, it really does go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, absolutely. You. Please go. No. And, and, you know, funny, funny thing about Jay, as I said, you'll win a lot of games in the major leagues with him in your outfield, but I got a great story about Jake. And, and, you know, the one thing about Jake, you know, he's a product of his preparation. We all are right. Uh, this guy will never waver on his confidence. Like his energy is, is just second to none, but obviously I was lucky enough to have him in double a last year for the last two months in Binghamton. And we were playing in Portland, Maine in, in September you know, it gets breaking. Get, we had a fog game where a lot of fog, you know, the fog coming off the ocean and and you couldn't even see the outfielders. And I was kind of in charge of the outfielders. And I asked Jake and the other outfielders, hey, how was the visibility? And all Jake said, he goes, if the ball's in the air, guys, don't worry. I'm going to catch it. Wow. And the Web Gem Sports Center highlight plays that this guy made was unbelievable. And, you know, that's just who he is. He brings it every day. And, and I've always said this, if, 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 if players can be loyal and reliable, then you're a coach's dream. You don't have to worry about if they're going to bring it every day. They may not, you know, they may go for four, but they bring it in other ways. And, and that's a true leader. And Jake is a hundred percent. Yeah. Mangum is, is a hundred percent loyal. He's a hundred percent reliable. And he's an absolute coach's dream. Love that. That uh, very much reflects life there. Reliable and yeah. loyal. That That's a yeah, key to life right there. I love it. I love it. Um, another guy I wanted to ask you real quick about that I feel like, uh, especially Mike has been talking about forever, is Mark Vientos. Um, yeah. I wanted to just know if you can talk to us a little bit about him and, you know, what man, Met fans should, you know, expect. We know there's a lot of power there, but, you know, probably going to see him at some point this year. So I was wondering if you can kind of give us uh, kind of your, uh, your lowdown to him. Yeah, Mark, first off, a great human being. I was lucky enough to be around him last year and bingo for the, you know, for the time he, until he left to go to AAA. Um, hard worker you know, goes about his stuff, I think the right way for the most part, you know, I think with him having this opportunity to be in big league camp and be around buck and be around, you know, those guys. Um, I mean, let's be honest. It, it, if, if, if that's not an eye opener for him and a motivation to him, then I don't know what else will be. And I, so I think he's going to benefit greatly from it. Um, obviously the, the, the skill set is there. You know, I, I think everybody expects Mark to have a big year, including himself. And if he does what he's capable of and he and he's there every single day, loyal and reliable, you know, to, to what his job description is, um, shit, he's going to be a heck of a player for a long time because it's there for sure. Absolutely. Mike, you have anything there? Yeah, I just wanted to note um, down in big league camp, um, 
yeah, I mean, Vientos was impressive. I mean, one of the guys you want to watch BP, like he, he's taken BP with the big leaguers and you, you can't tell that he's a minor leaguer. I mean, that's the type of power that he has. And he also, he looked, he looked good physically too. Like he, he looked athletic. Um, he looked like he was in, he was in good shape. Yeah, he is. He's in great shape. I, you know, first, uh, I think I, I saw him the second day I, after I arrived and obviously gave him a hug and Marky, how was your off season? How are you feeling? And, you know, positive, smiling. He's always smiling, right? All these guys are there. You know, why wouldn't they? They're, they're living their life. They're living the dream. And, and, but especially a guy like Mark, you know, he, at the time he was up in big league camp and he's like, you know, Chris, this is great. Everything's going great. And I'm learning a lot. And, you know, as soon as a guy says that I'm learning a lot, you know, that means he's, he's there for the right reasons. Right. Definitely. It's funny you say, you know, talk about guys saying that they, they learn a lot and that's something kind of music to your ears, but I just kind of thinking here, I'm just wondering like your opinion on, you know, guys are coming up quicker and quicker now through the minor leagues, right. Especially like pitchers and stuff like that, you know, you know, um, big arms and things of that nature. And, you know, even guys that are tearing up the minor leagues and you look at Wanda Franco is probably an example, like position players yeah. that, you know, getting called up early. I was wondering how that, you know, changes your job at all or puts any more added pressure on making sure that these guys are, are ready to be up, you know, in at the big league level. You know, obviously talent wise, that that's why they're being brought. But I know kind of the knock can be at times that they feel some of these players are rushed a bit and that they don't have that, you know, the, the fast paced experience, so to speak, yet, you know, to be up in the big league. So I was just wondering kind of how how much that changes your job at all or, you know, how much more difficult it may be, you know, to with that. Yeah, well, that's a great question, too, you know. Thank God, you know, with, with Kevin Howard and Dickie Scott and, and, you know, our leadership people, they, you know, they know what's at stake. And, and, but they also know that, you know, we all have a job to do both from a development standpoint and, and player standpoint. And, and, but most importantly, these guys know how hard this damn game is. Right. And so from a, making it our job tougher, you know, we all see the writing on the wall. You know, our, our, our job is to help get these guys better. And I think at the end of the day, you know, the players are going to be the ones, you know, that deserve all the credit when they finally do get there. Right. And, 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 and that's how it should be. Um, you know, but, you know, Buck has put so much, Buck and Billy have put so much uh, faith in Kevin Howard and, and Dickie Scott and everybody else, you know, like I said, our leadership guys, that and these guys have been around. They 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 know when the guys are ready. But the one thing I that that I've appreciated is that Dickie and 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 Kevin they do such a great job in asking our input, you know. And and so that's, uh, you know, it's 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 warm. You know, it's not. Uh, you know, we're not stepping on eggshells. It's more of uh, hey, they trust us. You know, and, and, and they ask for input all the time and, you know, whether they take it or not is, is, you know, it's none of our business because they, you know, they, they're the, you know, they're the ones that are, that are in charge to make these decisions, but uh, they're, they're entrusted to make the right decisions. And you know what they have, they have made the right decisions and they're going to continue to make the right decisions. So, you know, I think when, when the fans of New York, you know, see these players come up, it's going to be because they're ready. That's great. And I, you know, you did my follow up and you, you, you hit it there. I was going to ask, you know, if they, they do ask your input at all, because obviously it's, it's kind of almost, almost like the, uh, the teacher and the parent, the, you know, the teacher calls the parents says they're in trouble and the parents says, why do they do this? And, you know, it's really, you're spending more time with them than anyone. So you would know, um, I, yeah. I like that they're, 
you know, that, that they, they have your input there. I think that's awesome. I just keep, I just, to me, I keep hearing about trust and, and loyalty. And that seems like what seems to really at every layer here seems to be emphasized. So that, that's, uh, that's awesome to hear. Um, another thing I wanted to just ask you real quick, as far as, you know, from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, major league baseball is using the minor leagues a lot with, you know, experimental rule changes and things like that. And I was just kind of curious, you know, how, how much that impacts now it changes, excuse me, changes your job at all. And if it's one of those things that, you know, the rules there, you put it, you know, you, you strategize how you can, but you just, you control what you control and try not to make a big deal of it. Absolutely. We're going to control the controllables. The rules are set forth for us. And so we've got, you know, I look at it this way. We've got two choices. We can either, you know, we can either bitch and complain and, and make excuses or we can accept it and like, and let's get ahead of the game. Cause let's be honest, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of coaches and other organizations and a lot of players, they're not going to get ahead of the curve and they're, and they're going to use these as excuses. And you know what, one of the very first things Kevin said is, Hey, how, how we, how we have, you know, how we develop our attitude about these new rules is going to dictate how our players receive them. You know, so like as soon as he said that, it's like, hey, of course. I mean, we don't have to agree with the rules, but they are what they are. Right. So and they're, and we're not going to change them. Right. So let's get ahead and let's let's welcome it and let's be the very best at it. Let's kick everybody's ass in the meantime while we're doing it. Love that. And then just last thing I have just with the quick rule thing, um, sure. I was wondering you can answer honest as you can. Does a three inch by three inch bigger base and pulling second base up a foot really going to promote more stolen bases? You don't have to answer that if you don't have to. But I'm well, I, I can't speak. Yeah, I can't. You know, I can't speak for other organizations. Um, but Matt Dendecker um, has done a fantastic job nice. at promoting, uh, you know, base stealing and and you know and you hey guys this time this during camp. Let's see what we're made of. Let, let's take the extra base. Let you know whether it's first to third, taking the extra base. Let's push the envelope. And and you know me as a third base coach last year, you know I, I I'm all in favor of of putting pressure on that defense. And so you know is it going to lead to more stolen bases? Time will tell. But I can tell you that that um, that is kind of what we've been working on, and that's kind of been the the plan. When guys get on first base, let's uh, let's try to push this and. I think it, uh, if it happens, it's going to be, it's going to be a great part of the game coming back. Uh, that's going to be extremely valuable. And, and really, let's be honest, could be the difference in, in winning a world series or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it seems even from, you know, from the top, the Mets are trying to steal more base. So Stolly Marte with a stole base today, guys would seem a little bit more aggressive. They're going to have guys moving. So that's, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see the minor level. It's just, I'm curious, you know, it's gotta be hard. I, I always felt like it's gotta be hard as a minor league coach, you know, you're trying to develop players and all that. And there's just, you know, there's different changes being thrown at you. It's got to not be sure. great for continuity, but just kudos to you guys for all with the punches and, you know, making it work. Um, yeah. So, well, it, you know, I was saying, you know, Louis, Louis Rivera, you know, our manager in Brooklyn, he, you know, he, he's been preaching that every day too, you know, like take that extra base, be aggressive. If you get thrown out, you get thrown out. You right. know, we've essentially given, given the guys green lights to kind of test their own limits so they can, you know, cause at the end of the day, they're, they're the ones that have to feel comfortable doing this. And our job is to help them, you know, give them confidence so they can develop that comfort level and, and let's see what happens. So it's been, it's been great. Absolutely. And I know you just mentioned your manager in Brooklyn. So I was wondering if you could kind of fill us in, you know, what, what your role as a bench coach really kind of entails like the day-to-day -day operations of it. You know, I'm just kind of curious if you could tell us, you know, what that's like being the bench coach, you know, every day, you know, for the, for a minor league team and now for the Cyclones. Yeah. So, 
you know, it's, it's the first time I've been a bench coach, right. I've been used to managing and, and what have you. So, you know, I always knew what I looked for out of my bench coach. And, and I, you know, ironically, it's, it's, you know, essentially the same thing that Louie's looking for. So um, loyalty to him, you know, I got to be reliable to him. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to be two innings ahead of Louie. And if he needs something, obviously I'm going to be there. He's my guy. And, and um, my job is to make his job a little bit easier. And I'm going to throw suggestions his way. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to him to, you know, either take those or, or say, Chris, shut up and sit down or, or whatever. But, you know, we, it's, uh, I'm going to assist him and I'm going to let him know who's available, you know, who, who they have available in the pen coming right. up. Uh, lefty righty who we have available on the bench who's who's available who's not you know pinch running things like that and, and again at the end of the day um, you know it's going to be Louie's decision and and uh, Louie's going to do a great job you know he's such an easy guy to be around first class human being in every sense of the word wonderful husband wonderful father and it's turned on to be a hell of a friend you know somebody that you can rely on so I'm, I'm in a great spot yeah, and Chris, now this year for the first time, the Mets are going to have uh, someone from the analytics department at every level. So how is that going to kind of play into helping you make decisions or helping you suggest su su decisions to Luis Rivera and kind of your game planning for every series? I think it's going to be great. And, you know, the guy that we have with us is Max Vogel Friedman. And this guy's phenomenal. I mean, he is – you talk about energy – you know, and, and, you know, he, he's a, one of those unique analyst guys because he's, you know, he played in college, you know, he was a left-handed pitcher and, and uh, you know, the funny thing is, is he's going to bring more value than what he probably thinks, you know, just for, not from an analytics standpoint, he's going to bring a ton that way, but you know, he's, he's going to be able to throw left-handed BP. So when we're throwing, you know, when we're facing lefties and, you know, I told him the other day, I said, Hey, you know, get that arm ready. Cause you're, you know, we're going to need you. And we kind of laughed about it, but honestly, God, you know, so, so the, the value that Max is going to bring is, is going to be fantastic. And like I said, he's young, he's energetic. Um, he's, he's a baseball guy. Right. And, and so, and he's always positive and the, the, you know, he's, he's bilingual, which is even more special. Um, so his relationship to these players is going to be fantastic. I mean, it is, it has been fantastic. And, and honestly, we, this is nothing against Syracuse and Binghamton and Port St. Lucie, but Brooklyn, we have, we, we have the best staff. We really do. We're, we're all excited for one another. That's awesome. Besides having the best staff in the Mets minor leagues, you know, my last question was, I was, you know, can you tell us, you know, some, maybe some players in Brooklyn this year that fans should be excited about. And then, you know, Give us kind of your best pitch, you know, uh, to have people, fans come out to Brooklyn this summer and come see the Cyclones. Sure. Well, uh, let's see. Will Moraes, he's he, he's going to start the season with us. Uh, Kevin Kendall, uh, one of our draft picks last year out of UCLA. JT Schwartz, his teammate, um, is, you know, is obviously from UCLA is going to be with us. Um, let's see. Shoot. Who else? We're going to have uh, Jalen Palmer is going to be back in Brooklyn. Uh I think Brandon, yeah, Brandon McIlwain, who the former two sports star quarterback at Cal, um, you know, he's going to be with us, um, you know, pitching side. Um, Nolan Clenny is going to be with us. You know, he was an independent sign. 
Um, and all he's done is gotten better since he's been here, which is, which is great to see. So we're, yeah, we're fired up. Um, and you know, as far as a quick pitch to, to get people out to Brooklyn, I mean, come on, it's baseball in New York. It's, it's the former home of the Brooklyn Dodgers. I mean, baseball in Brooklyn, are you kidding me? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm ready to get in my car if I had it here. Just, I got to fly home to Michigan to get my car <laughs> over the weekend, but I, I cannot wait to get there. That's yeah, great. I mean, it's, and, and that environment obviously is phenomenal. I was there at the alt site last year and, and, you know, and, and the, everybody there, the clubhouse staff, Max and his people, everybody's great. And the fan base is phenomenal. So yeah, it's, uh, we expect great special things out of this group. Love it. That's great. You know, the ballpark is awesome. It's right in Coney Island there, right by the boardwalk. Yeah. It's really cool. It's, uh, it's like a throwback experience. And uh, I think that's going to be great. Mike, do you have anything else for us tonight? No, I, I just want to thank Chris for coming on and talking to us. And we'll have to have him uh, back on during the season and talk about Brooklyn some more. Absolutely. And we'll get some, maybe get some of your favorite pizza spots that you'll be once you're in Brooklyn this summer. We'll get, we'll get the team maybe to L and B. We'll get you guys to a quick road trip over there. We'll get you some <laughs> of the upside guys... down pizza. So how did you know pizza's my gig? <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever you guys got, send it to me, send it my way. But I certainly look forward to see, meeting you guys in person. Love Appreciate it. everything you do. Man. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Good luck to the start of the season. Thanks guys. All right. And that's going to do it for this week's episode, guys. Tune in next week. We'll have our opening day preview before the season starts on Thursday. But until then, don't forget to get mesmerized. Yeah,